Welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's Book. Welcome once again to Chris Reed's book. I am Chris Pullman. Welcome to my lunch break on Monday, <laughs> which I use to record uh, chapters out of my second sci-fi novel, uh, Martian Reporter, Humanity's New Hope, for you, my potential audience, listeners, readers, uh, however you'd prefer to be termed. Today I'm going to read two chapters, because one of them is only three pages. Altogether it's nine pages, which means that my reading should take about 27 minutes, I think. So the whole episode will be around a half, a half hour. Uh, the first chapter is Appropriations, and the second chapter is Reporting Back 3. Uh, yeah, let's let's just jump into it with appropriations. They did what? Tim asked Nick through the comm. This is the first time the two had talked since Nick met with Jim Hall. Nick, being who he was, had kept up on current events on Mars in order to give Tim accurate reports. Our agents verify that the Martian Congress voted to appropriate funds to a research consortium named Chaos Industries. Nick replied. I thought the Martian Congress had vowed never to use earmarks again. To be fair, sir, this wasn't an earmark. This was a straight-up grant, Nick said. Tim took a moment to absorb the statement before saying, A majority voted for a grant. Somehow, yes, Nick replied. Do we know what brought this about? Not yet, sir. Clearly a coalition was formed, but we're still trying to figure out which parties were involved. He isn't exactly hiding, is he? Tim asked. Not really, no. Though it's fair to say that only people in the underground or censorship understand, Nick replied. Fair enough, Tim thought to himself. Nick, I'm transferring you up there on a more permanent basis. Between James Hall and this, I need my most experienced field commander overseeing things. Anything you need is yours. Thank you, sir. Who will take my place down there? Nick asked. Leslie, Tim replied. She, like Tim, had always been part of the true underground, the TDF underground, the one that birthed the current Atmo underground, as well as the censorship. Over the last years, Leslie had served variously as a section chief, bureau chief, planetary czar, and had even taken over for Tim on occasion. Nick didn't know Les's whole history, but enough to be satisfied that she would handle his post at least as well as he could have. Nick merely nodded his agreement. He hadn't foreseen this post change exactly, but had known that he would be on Mars for an extended period of time. He could hope for a chance to catch up and repair his relationship with Rachel, though realistically that wouldn't happen. Not until the event he had foreseen and feared. He knew plenty about how she was faring, though. 
In all likelihood, she knew exactly how much he knew, if she ever thought about him. Sir, Nick said, shaking off the momentary thought, I do need to mention that discipline at the Mars Bureau and throughout the planet has been... lax. Oh? Tim said, raising an eyebrow. I believe that it's a result of their feeling that Mars is a remote outpost of the censorship, Nick replied. Considering this a moment, Tim said back, I could see how that would happen. Nick had expected more of a response from Tim, and so waited silently. After what seemed to Nick as several moments, he said, Is there anything specific you want me to do about it, sir? His face taking on an unconcerned yet thoughtful gaze, Tim said, Whatever you feel is best, Nick. Just get things back in order. Sir, I, I don't think you quite understand how relaxed things are here, Nick said. For instance, true stores of restricted materials have become extremely rare on Earth and Luna thanks to our continued efforts. Here, however, our leadership have been less than enthusiastic about raids. In fact, they see it as more of a burden than a duty. Tim inclined his head, saying, per my directives. Really, Nick said confused, but continued. My point being, sir, we have the reasons to become more invasive. We can begin to collect more intel and initiate more raids. It will give us the reason we need to grow our personnel base, as well as grow knowledge on Chaos's operation, not to mention tightening things up around here. Tim nodded. They could no longer deny the reality of things. Eric Pullman had been their contact on Mars for the past 300 years, but was now gone. In his place, James Hall, a relative unknown, had taken over. Not unknown in terms of reliable intel, but rather in terms of what part he would play. Nick and Tammy had confirmed that James possessed abilities, but none natural like theirs. That left but one source for them, nanites. That, however, should have been impossible on two levels. The nanites Tim had used on his own people had been intentionally stripped of their offensive and most of their defensive capabilities. It had been Eric's legacy that Nars' second generation of nanites be solely medical in nature. And since there was no way that the 13's nanites could have reached James, it left only one source for James's nanites, and that meant that the long plans were drawing to their conclusion. Of course, Chaos Industries alone would have been enough of a signal by itself had Tim heard of it first. The end times of the long plans had certainly arrived. Too right, Nick, Tim said. We need to get feet on the ground. Do what you must to get us what intel we need. We could very well find ourselves losing ground on Mars, and need as much reliable information as we can before then. Report back as you have results, and take care. Yes, sir, Nick replied, closing the secure channel. Tim had been able to rebuild much about the War of Insurrection. Half a millennia of gathering every scrap of information on it would do that, of course. There were still secrets. The TDF had defeated Chaos and his forces, though there were no records of how. Only elites had been involved in that final battle, and some sort of dust storm which had leveled the Acropolis had obscured it from view. 
After Eric had taken command of the TDF, there had been scattered reports of oddities. Some were just offhand comments in journals. Only person I ever saw drum his fingers like that was Adam, but never Eric, and I'd know. I've been around them since Project Plymouth days. Others, like Bones's med report from the Plymouth TDF base, were official. That one spoke about Eric acting hallucinogenic, of having conversations with James, Meng, and Chaos after they had been killed. All of the sources, when looked at right, pointed to a sort of post-mortem shadow effect. It seemed as though Eric's mind had captured shades of his former companions, which, with Chaos back, seemed to be confirmed. The question then became who held that horde of memories and knowledge. If it was Chaos, this would be a battle quickly lost. By now, he could have begun producing a new army of dark nanitics with whom to seize power. If young James Hall held the horde, on the other hand, the long plan still had a chance. It came down to knowing whether or not Chaos had produced viable nanites on his own. Bringing up an interface program on his monodesk, Tim interfaced directly with the sensor's network, a trick he had stumbled across while futzing with the second-gen nanites some centuries ago. Once he had encrypted the link, he sent orders to the other members of the Thirteen. He would send in two squads of them, placing them under Nick's command, with the sole purpose of determining whether Chaos had produced combat nanites. He didn't have to get overly specific. Nick and the six he was sending would handle the details. Once the opportunity arose, they would seize the initiative. Releasing the link, Tim settled back into his chair. In his youth, he had grown to fiercely hate large bureaucracies. By necessity, he had crafted the largest in human history. But where others had failed, his worked. Of course, the wisdom of five centuries of life didn't hurt. He steepled his fingers, as he had seen a man do at this very desk so long ago, and let his mind wander over what would come next. Reporting Back 3 Jim knocked on his door. At first he was too absorbed in his work to care. Tim Fowler, Jim's mentor and fellow heroer, had been busy preparing a paper on Martian colonization and its impacts on gender relations. That, at least, was what he wanted people to think he was working on. Thanks to the many back doors that Eric and his kind had set in place in the Martian communication net, now open to him, Jim had found an early draft of Tim's paper. Leaning against Tim's doorframe, Jim cleared his throat, saying, Hope you fixed the bit in there about women. Whole sections seemed to leave out their contributions to the development of Martian infrastructure. Tim stopped his notes checking, looked up at Jim over his glasses, and smiled. By the gods you are alive. So I'm told, Jim said, grinning back. Well, are you going to sit down or not? Tim asked, setting down his work. Didn't know if I'd be welcome, Jim replied as he maneuvered into one of Tim's audience chairs, especially after the spot I put you in by taking off last time we talked. Tim nodded. That was a rather tense afternoon. From what I hear, though, you've just met with them anyway, at your new house. So the underground's keeping tabs on me now. A supervisor or two, after my suggestion, have taken a keen interest in you. A section chief from Earth and three high-level lackeys, Tim said, leaning slightly back in his chair, folding his hands. 
what did you do to get that meeting, and then to have them walk out of it without you? Jim smiled. Mika and Raquel are okay. They're doing great, thanks. After you went off the grid, the sensors loosed their noose, figuring I'd be more approachable that way. Then about four days ago, they just stopped caring. Can we close the door? Jim asked Tim. He waved at it, his form of assent. As Jim walked in, he could feel the metal in the door, enough for him to use. He reached out with his mind and gently closed the door, never taking his eyes off of Tim. Jim pulled out a small cube from his pocket, placed it on Tim's desk, and pressed the top. It began to glow a soft emerald green. It's a privacy screen, NAR design, still effective against today's surveillance technologies. Not that Tim didn't look surprised when his door swung shut, but he now appeared stunned. There are a lot of things in Eric Pullman's house that we couldn't have dreamed of. Tim... How much do you really know about Eric? All throughout their student-mentor and professional relationship, Jim had felt that Tim had been holding back information. At the time, Jim simply attributed it to the sensitivity of the subject matter. Now, though, he knew there had always been more to it. When Tim didn't respond right away, Jim said, I know you're more important to the underground than you ever let on. No way you could have helped me get some of my sources without very solid contacts. Ones that would have taken much trust over decades in the underground to build. Tim, how long have you been a section chief? The bluntness of the question opened Tim's mind just as Jim needed it to be. Probing it, he found all the information he needed. Tim rubbed his head. Feels tight, right? Jim asked. You never really... Get used to that feeling, even when you know it's coming. What do you mean? Melinda Christopher, Jim said. Tim's eyes flashed wider for an instant. He understood. Can't be, Tim replied under his breath. And yet it is, Jim replied directly into Tim's mind. Thankfully, with the multiple lives and years of experience, Jim was able to do so somewhat softly. He could tell that Tim's heart rate and respiration had picked up. Don't fear me, he added aloud. I don't fear you. I fear for you, Tim replied. Even without reading his mind, Jim understood. The implications of having more than one mind in his head could be clear enough for any thinking being. Who else? Everyone, Jim said in the chorus voice. Everyone who ever was elite. The voice sounded off somehow, as if one melodic chord had been replaced by another. This one's mind is more evolved than was Eric's. He can handle the stress of this better. Tim, we must meet with Makia and Rachel. Tim became unnervingly calm suddenly, which is saying something for an anitic to be unnerved by a normal mortal man. Tim's eyes flitted across Jim's face. He saw them change focus again and again. For effect, Jim allowed his eyes to flash through all the shades and tones possible. It registered on Tim's face as a slight twitch of his nose. I suddenly feel as though our relationship has drastically changed, Tim said, resting his still folded hands on his desk. I'm no longer your mentor, 
nor your peer. You are no longer human. Both statements struck Jim hard. He kept his composure, though. I'll see what I can do. There's no reason for me to continue denying things you now know. I am a section head for the underground. Olympus Mons province is mine. Has been for over a decade. I worked my way into the underground much as you did, through Mentor. We had started to keep a closer eye on you as of late, James. We felt you could be a valuable asset with your ever-growing network of connections. And while I don't know how much you gleaned from my mind, I entreat you not to try for more. Not that I could stop you, but just out of courtesy. Jim nodded. Something else worth mentioning, James. While I have no reason to doubt you about what Eric Pullman was, assuming it's all true, the Underground will want to talk to you as much as you them. We haven't just been building a network of redundant history stores. We've been building a network of agents in the government, both in the censorship and elsewhere. Thanks to James Christopher's ability, more puzzle pieces fell into place. It has been a long process, to be sure. Fair enough, Jim said. Anything else to share? He asked, hoping that he could coax Tim back into their old rapport. Only that you could have asked instead of invading my mind. I do apologize for that. I figured it would be the quickest way through any potential cover-ups and half-truths that you'd have at the ready to deflect such questions. And that it was. As I said, though, our relationship has changed. You are no longer a naive student, nor even a questioning reporter. You are the crucible, James. You are what the Underground has sought for years. That makes you both the biggest asset and liability the Underground could ever have. I can handle myself, Jim replied. How well? Tim asked as his hand slid under his desk. Because if not well enough, then I feel that you'd be safer in our hands than loose in the wild. He had activated a sonic incapacitator. It emitted sub and ultrasonic sound waves as a means to disrupt and disable a person's ability to think. Jim reached out with his mind and twisted the electromagnetic components, disabling the device with an audible crunch. So be it. But as I said, I can handle myself. So I see, Tim replied. Shortly a few people will arrive. You may want to leave before they get here. Jim's comm disruptor would not have interrupted hardwired communications, such as a dead man switch. You'll be in touch? Jim asked Tim as he rose and turned off the comm disruptor, pocketing it. I will be, yes, he replied. Opening his office door, Jim altered his appearance to that of Jessica Brune. It was an odd feeling, suddenly being a woman. I'll help you walk, said Jessica's voice in his head. Jim allowed her to do so, knowing that his own gait would appear too rigidly masculine. As they walked outside, they saw a trio of college-looking young people running toward the building. One looked at his wristwatch. It blinked at him. Those are the agents of the underground coming for Tim's safety, Jessica thought to Jim. As the young man looked up, he caught Jim's eye. Jessica, overriding his consciousness, waved at him, 
a finger-rolling, seductive wave. The man smiled for an instant before turning his attention back to the task at hand. With Jessica's appearance covering Jim's, they decided to walk back to Jim's old apartment and see what might be left. He had figured that once the censors lost him those weeks ago, that they would have gone to his apartment looking for clues as to where he had gone. Surely they wouldn't have chased his fake lead for long, if at all. How do you walk in these things? Jim asked Jessica, mentally indicating the high heels they were wearing. Oh, not your style, she jokingly mocked. Not quite, he thought back. More that I'm not used to them. But Jessica's appearance also brought with it her muscle tone, which was apparently used to heels. Fine, crybaby. The next step they took was in gladiator sanders. In fact, their whole outfit had changed to match. Instead of the somewhat flowing dress they had been wearing, Jim found himself in high shorts that had showed off all of their legs with the straps of the sandals fighting their way up to their knees. Their shirt had also been changed to a tighter blouse with a very liberal v-neck, and their hair, which had been in braids, now flowed freely behind them in a soft breeze. Better, Jessica thought with a laugh. Well, a whole bunch of different emotions running around my head right now, actually, Jim replied. As they walked, she kept making subtle moves with her body that assured that they were aptly noticed. Kind of feeling a little exposed right now, Jim said to Jessica as she stopped to look in the store's window. It gave him a chance to see her. There. Reflection. On the other hand, Jim added, seeing the full effect of the outfit on her body's curves. Like what you see? She asked him mentally. Well, still really confused, Jim replied. Jessica was absolutely gorgeous, her fiery hair splayed over her shoulders. Jim knew that this was Jessica Burton's body, but it was also at some level his. He was still in control of it, for the most part, and so he couldn't help feeling at odds about feeling so attracted to the very feminine body he now inhabited. Jessica slid her hand down and along her hip, her smooth leg. Jim felt a twinge of arousal, but differently from what he was used to. He heard her giggle in delight. Can we continue? Jim asked her, mentally blushing. Fine, she replied, turning and continuing down the street. Jim's former apartment building came within sight. At once it felt welcoming and alien. He'd grown accustomed to Eric's, now his, home. And more than that, this place was from a different life. Jim got to the door and then remembered how the building was secured. Biometrics and voice recognition... He couldn't very well flash back to his own body in full view of the public. Not that anyone would believe their eyes anyway. We can do only what's needed, said Jessica as Jim felt a ripple pass over his fingertips. Looking at them, they appeared familiar. God, yes, those are yours, Jessica said. Shall we? Jim pressed his fingers into the scanning plate, then said aloud, James Hall. A woman walking by stopped and stared at them. Took a voice acting class at university. Crazy how good I got, isn't it? Jessica asked in her own voice as she cocked her hip, resting her free hand on it. The door's mag locks released, 
and Jessica strolled into the building, the woman's eyes following them. Miss Yorkman from the building next door, Jim said to Jessica. She will have recognized my voice. So what? Jessica asked. What she'll think is that these weeks you've been gone, you went out and got a sex change. And had a foot of height removed, Jim added as they got into the lift. In the brushed aluminum doors of the lift, Jim got another look at their body. My turn. Jim started by grasping their butt, feeling its toned firmness. Hey! What are you... Jessica began as the doors opened on his floor. Jim grasped the shirt they were wearing and pulled it off, leaving them walking down the hallway in the lacy brassiere Jessica had changed them into, Daisy Duke shorts and the gladiator sandals. Oh, you... Jim heard her seethe as they turned off the main hallway for his apartment. No one was around, so all Jim's stunt seemed to do was slightly annoy her. What? Uncomfortable? Jim teased as they arrived at his door. Reaching out, Jim opened the door, finding behind it a bare apartment. He leaned back, checking the number on the wall. It was, had been his, all right, but nothing of his remained inside. Censorship? Jim asked aloud. Censorship, Jessica confirmed. It didn't take long to see that all of his possessions, everything that made this apartment his, were gone. Shall we be going then? Jessica asked. I suppose so, Jim replied, pulling their shirt back on. Not being used to putting on a fitted shirt over breasts, Jessica did most of the work. As they left, Jim sensed something. Alert signal. Whose? Jessica asked. My guess at this point are either censorship or underground, he mentally replied. Either way, I'm not ready to be caught or followed by either just yet. Agreed. Jessica replied as they walked down the lift. Jim felt his body again shift shapes. As the lift doors closed, he was fairly surprised to find himself staring at D'Andre. Sora, I missed that experience, D'Andre said mentally in his baritone voice. Jessica was always one fine piece of woman. Exiting the building, Jim felt before he saw the censors. We be fine, just stay cool. Andre said as they sauntered down the street to the bus stop. As they reached it, two government cars pulled up and disgorged four more censors. Too late, Andre said under his breath. Something felt awry as they boarded the bus. Jim lifted up the leg of their blue jeans, and there were the same gladiator sandals with straps running up to his knees. Oh, for the love of... Jim thought in disgust. In his mind, he heard both D'Andre and Jessica laughing. And those were the two chapters for this podcast. Again, uh, those were... Scrolling back up through my pages, Appropriations, and Reporting Back 3. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed... Uh, listening to it, listening to me read my chapters, please head over to my website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast section of the page. Go down to Chris Reed's book. Go there. There are links on that page to my author Facebook, my author Twitter, as well as a email link where you can email this podcast and me 
directly with any uh, questions or comments you have about this or any of my writing. I'm currently in the process of finishing a book for uh, National Novel Writing Month for November 2016. I know I missed it. I'm a little over halfway through and it's uh, December 5th, but I'm, I'm going to finish it. I think it's possibly my best writing to date. And I'm, I'm excited about finishing that, so I will uh, post something about that once it's done, maybe some excerpt out on the website. Uh, I might switch over and do some chapters out of that book on this podcast, rather than finishing this book straight out. We'll see. In any event, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can either find those as raw mp3 files, on my website. You can download or stream them from the page directly. Otherwise, you can find me on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Chris Reed's book or for my name, Chris Pullman, P-O-H-L-M-A-N, and you should be able to find Chris Reed's book podcast. Subscribe so that whenever I put out a new episode, you get those automatically downloaded to your device. And I try to put out at least one episode every week. I prefer to get out two per week, but sometimes that doesn't happen. I apologize for those weeks, but I I think I've been pretty consistent over the last few months getting out at least one a week. That way, you always have something to listen to, and I am kept accountable for editing my books that I can send it out to an agent. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help support it, the best way you can do that is by sharing this podcast, this episode, any of my episodes, with a friend, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, an enemy, whatever. <laughs> you know, just help spread the word about my podcast. Help me get a larger audience. That's the best thing you can do to help me grow this podcast and my career. And I thank you for any help. And I thank you for tuning in week after week to listen to me blather on uh, for about a half hour. (laughs) So with that, thank you for tuning in. Have a good week. We will see you next time.